Now entering the Bitcoin Podcast Network. Hey, how goes it? Ken Bozak from thebitcoinpodcast.com here to talk about Bitcoin and Bitcoin accessories. Long time no here. Sorry for my hiatus, but I am back and back with a vengeance. I will have many more interviews like this to come, but this interview is definitely the one to debut. This interview, I will be speaking with Bitcoin developer Jimmy Song. Now, he is a man who needs no introduction, but I did get the origin story of how Jimmy did get into cryptocurrencies and how it led him to where he was today. In this interview, we find out the by the uh, backstory to Jimmy's song, as well as some information on, you know, why he did not uh, attend the Texas Bitcoin conference, which I was at. And, you know, it was in his hometown. So if you're interested in why he didn't attend that, that is something we do cover in this interview as well. There's some more information. We go over things like why hasn't Coinbase integrated segregated witness into their wallets? More information there. We covered some stuff on like, you know, if um, Bitcoin Cash had the same user base as Bitcoin, would it have the same, you know, fees and delays if every wallet was using seg- segregated witness? Would we still be able to go and compete with Bitcoin Cash and transaction fees and speeds? We got to talk about a lot of things. One of the most important topics, and now this is because uh, important because Jimmy Song is a Bitcoin developer and a programmer and an educator in this field specifically. So we were talking about the scarcity of Bitcoin developers and uh, competent blockchain developers and how this could hinder the uh, blockchain technology evolution. And, um, you know, that's a very important thing. So we did talk about that. We even covered uh, the effects of net neutrality and how Internet service providers could hinder blockchain technologies. Um, It is a decentralized currency that we are all using on a centralized Internet. After all, we did talk a little bit about, you know, storage of value versus monetary use and alternative uses for Bitcoin's blockchain as a secondary use case rather and other than a storage of value. We covered things like money laundering and insider trading. We even got to talk about things like CBOE and Charlie Lee has sold all of his Litecoin. You know, what does Jimmy think of that? Well, let me go ahead and cue the intro music and you can go ahead and listen to all the facts from an expert himself and cue that intro music.
Today, I'm with Jimmy Song to talk about Bitcoin and Bitcoin accessories. Jimmy, if you could do me a favor, I, I know you don't, you don't need to introduce yourself, but just in case every day we're getting new and new people, could you introduce yourself to the audience, let them know who you are, maybe your origin story of how you got into Bitcoin and how that led you to do what you do in the industry today? Yeah, so uh, I got into Bitcoin in 2011. I, I started following it, I think, when I saw a story on Slashdot. Um, 2013 is when I started developing in it because uh, Bitcoin was getting very valuable and I realized like, okay, I need to get in on this at a professional level. Um, I've been a software developer for like 20 years, so uh, it was it was a natural fit. Um, and, uh, and I started developing, I started with a project called Color Coins in 2013, which is sort of like a proto ICO, um, uh, but on the Bitcoin blockchain. Uh, it's too bad that that never took off. And there was this little, or there was this kid that was, uh, that was writing our white paper and he was like, uh, you know, he wrote it and it was like completely not what we wanted. And, uh, and we were like, Hey, what's up with this? Shouldn't you have written it a little differently? And he's like, well, no, this is what I think it should be. And we argue back and forth. And, uh, eventually he said, screw you guys. I'm going to go make my own coin. Um, his name was Vitalik Buterin. So yeah, he ended up creating Ethereum. <laughs> so, <laughs> that was, uh, that was in 2013. I did, uh, I did a bunch of other stuff. I worked for Monetas, Armory, and now Paxos. Uh, so I've been a Bitcoin developer for like the last, uh, almost five years now. It's, uh, it's four years. Yeah. A little, little over four years, but yeah, it's, uh, it's been a crazy journey. I, uh, I got into blogging and, uh, doing videos and stuff earlier this year. It's kind of funny because I wrote articles like three years ago. Nobody read them. Uh, now I write them and like lots of people read them. So it's, it's been, a, been a crazy ride. I, I've told people this before, but I had less than 300 followers in January. Uh, and it's, uh, my follower count has gone up even faster than the Bitcoin price. So I'm, I feel very blessed. And uh, you know, and shout out to everybody that's obviously uh, watching and things like that. That's a true reflection, though, of the quality of your content and your soapbox and the way that you use it. You know, a lot of people could take advantage of people and you just purely give out free education on a daily basis. Uh, I wanted to ask you uh, about the fact that you know, I was at the Texas Bitcoin conference in your hometown, man, and you were not there. So why were you not at the Texas Bitcoin conference three? And um, why did you break my heart? Well, uh, sorry, I didn't. I didn't know you were going to be there. Obviously, uh, there were there were other people that were uh, there at the same time, and they they asked the same question. Hey, are you going to be at the conference? Well, several reasons. Uh, first of all, um, I would have had to pay, and it would have been it. It was more or less, I think, an ICO fest. And yeah, I, like when when you when you watch like a pitch for an ICO, I liken it to like watching a presentation for like. Um, you know, timeshare presentation or something like that. I just don't want to be there. I'm not interested. And it's, it's thinking always about like, how do I get out of this right now? Like, it's boring. I don't want to know about your ICO. I don't really care. So uh, it wouldn't have been very interesting. So it wouldn't, it, and I didn't want to pay, pay to do that. Uh, and second, like uh, you, sometimes I'll tolerate that if I can like get a speaking slot or, or something like that. And these guys didn't invite me. So, you know, that, that, that was another major consideration. But 
Third, uh, the reason they didn't invite me probably was because I've been very critical of the people that put it on. Um, uh, Texas Bitcoin Conference was uh, more or less founded by David Johnston and Paul Snow mm-hmm. and, uh, and the rest of that crew. Um, and, uh, and, you know, three years ago when I wrote, was writing those articles that no one was reading, uh, one of them was about how I thought Factum, I, I didn't see the value in Factum. Um, I since learned not to just, just to keep my mouth shut on a lot of this stuff and just sort of speak more generally. Uh, but back then that, that was, uh, that was kind of a major, major thing. And, uh, and I, I, I don't know, they, I, I, I haven't really associated with with those people since so uh so yeah that's that's why i don't i don't i I didn't do that particular conference now so much respect for that too because the fact that they were going to charge you to attend that event is just and i was there i did attend and as soon as the conference was over i came home and i made a video it's titled like what the fuck texas bitcoin conference (laughs) um i i wanted to buy a t-shirt from the venue and they did not accept bitcoin they only accepted cash for the merchandise so I was immediately disgusted, and I do agree it was like an ICO fest, if anything. Um, <laughs> but to, to change topic a little bit here, do you think on the cynical side here that Bit, uh, Coinbase bought up Bitcoin Cash before listing it, and that's why it pumped? Well, I, I don't know if Coinbase, the company, did it. They're, I mean, they would get in all sorts of trouble if they did that as a company. But certainly the news seems to have leaked by... Uh, you know, to either the employees or the employees' friends and family or whoever, um, and uh, and there was a pump going on way before they announced it uh, earlier that day, or earlier yesterday. Uh, so, I mean, my suspicion is that people knew something was happening, and you know, obviously, Coinbase has a lot of new users, and they're going to see a new coin. Uh, I mean, we we watched like Litecoin go up tremendously, largely due to being on Coinbase. So. Uh, and Ethereum as well. So I, I imagine that that was like sort of the thinking behind a lot of the pump uh, beforehand. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't know if the corporation was behind it. I did see a story about them starting to do some sort of investigation into insider trading in that regard. Uh, but who knows? I, I, it's hard for me to say. Some people are saying this may have ramifications for uh, CME futures because they're one of the components of the CME future pricing. So. If there's insider trader trading going on, then you know that might be a thing. So I, I don't know. I, it's to me sort of uh, one of those things where uh, yeah, some some news gets out and wise guys front run that sort of sort of thing. So do you think uh, you know? I know this is all just opinion. Obviously, we don't know for facts. None of us. This is the world mm-hmm. of speculation at best. But do you think that Coinbase hasn't adopted Segwit for the wallets to really make the appeal of B or you know Bitcoin Cash, B Cash, BCH more appealing? Is like, is there a hidden agenda to the fact that they have not integrated Segwit to their wallet? Well, I, I think the big agenda is that they are not that competent uh, uh, Bitcoin company. I mean, they. Uh, I mean, you, you you saw what happened yesterday. They they released Bitcoin Cash, and it immediately crashes. Like maybe twenty trades are in, and then it's it's done. Um, and it's that's been the story of Coinbase the last like three years or something like that. Is they don't have a very good backend. Uh, they they keep crashing. Uh, they, I mean, they, they, I mean, like, I still remember this tweet from Brian Armstrong where he's like, you know, like, yeah, the last eight months we've been working on this really, really cool feature and that feature and like he released it the next day and it was this 
the feature was moving to React, like just like a different front-end JavaScript library. Like really, that's what you've been working on. You're handling people's money and you are just working on the front-end. You're not like beefing up your back-end. You're not making it like uh, fail over gracefully. You're not like fixing all of these problems. Uh, uh, it, it, like the, it's this is a company that frustrates me to no end because the amount of money that they've raised and the amount mm -hmm. of money that they have. And I mean, I know Brian, he's a, he's a pretty technical guy. Uh -huh. I don't understand how they can't hire competent devs, but that seems to be sort of like a, a running theme at that company. And, and really there were one of the signers of the New York agreement, right? And in, in signing the New York agreement, they were more or less saying, we don't want to work on SegWit. We'd rather have the easiest thing done for us. And that's increasing, to a larger block. Um, and that that's the laziest uh, way of scaling, but it's massively inconvenient for everybody else, but good for the businesses that are, you know, uh, benefiting off of the public uh, good, which is the blockchain. And, and they just wanted bigger blocks. And it's like, they wanted that for a reason. They probably didn't have the development power to be able to do SegWit in a timely way. Um, and I, I don't see this as them like, trying to pump Bitcoin cash or whatever. I mean, that that may, I, I don't know, maybe that factors in at some point. But honestly, it just seems like they don't have uh, the resources to be able to do it well. And that's uh, that's really unfortunate because, uh, you know, I, they don't have to be the biggest, uh, you know, Bitcoin exchange in the US. Uh, I, I will remind all of the all of your viewers, Google was not the first search, search engine. Facebook was not the first social media, uh, social network. And uh, the reason why they won was because they were super technically competent. And if Coinbase continues to be this incompetent, I am going to predict in five or 10 years time, they're going to be a minor player and uh, you know somebody else is gonna eat their lunch uh, and just completely destroy them. You just called Coinbase Yahoo in five years. <laughs> I Yeah, I kind of did, yeah, yes I did. There's so many opportunities Yahoo had to be so much better and even acquire Google, and they just kept being incompetent. And I can see Coinbase running this pattern that they have. Like you said, they actually brag about how much money they make. They brag about how many new users sign up for their platform every month. It could fill stadiums of people, use the money to hire some devs. But that brings me to a question. As a programmer, do you believe the scarcity of quality developers limits most blockchain blockchain technologies and companies from reaching their full potential. Will this be the greatest downfall of all blockchain technology or will we succumb this? Well, I mean, uh, yeah, absolutely. I agree that the scarcity of uh, competent developers is the biggest bottleneck in, in the entire industry right now. And this is why I'm doing my seminar programming blockchain mm -hmm. is to train a lot more developers. Um, and, you know, I want to scale that up by writing my book, Programming Bitcoin. This is something that I'm working on with O'Reilly and uh, hopefully will get published in the next year or so. Uh, but, yeah, I, th this is this is the biggest bottleneck, the biggest risk factor to Bitcoin and uh, all the surrounding ecosystem is uh, the lack of devs. Uh, but at the same time, you know, whenever you have a market scarcity, you also have market opportunity. Um, and certainly if you're a developer and you want to get into this very, very lucrative space, there's uh, there's plenty of opportunity for you. And if, if you're good 
oh my goodness, the number of offers you will have coming your way is uh, is is kind of incredible. Um, and I want to and I want to help those people. This is why I had my seminar. Um, you know, I go. You, you're basically coding a Python Bitcoin library from mm -hmm. scratch, and you can create transactions using this library by the end of the two days. Um, that's that's the idea. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's a good question whether or not like this will l further limit the growth. Um, I, I'm hoping that the economic incentives work and a lot more people come into this er area. All the uh, links are in the description box below for your uh, courses and everything. So if anybody's interested, there are links below. You can go ahead and sign up and you can go ahead and learn how to build your own library from scratch. Um, no, to keep going here. Now, uh, will Bitcoin be the cryptocurrency that kills Visa and um, be used as daily money uh, in the long run? Uh, will Bitcoin's blockchain or will Bitcoin's blockchain be used for something more than Satoshi intended? For example, proof of ownership like Ubiquity. Mm -hmm. uh, well, so like the medium of exchange, like uh, being able to transact really fast and do it really frequently, um, it is important, but it's like number 20 or 25 on the list of things that are important to the holders of Bitcoin, right? Like number one is like security. Number two is like durability, fungibility. All of, all of these other things are way more important in my opinion. Mm -hmm. And uh, the, the people on the Bitcoin cash side, I get their argument, right? Like they want it to be a medium of exchange uh, because that, that makes it more useful for that particular use case. But most people I know don't transact that often, right? Like if you're holding it, you're using it as a store of value. And that's that's just as legitimate as buying coffee from a vendor or sending money to Africa or whatever it is. Uh, it's easier to talk about the second as the main use case or as as the word use because it's uh, it, it, it involves an actual action. Uh, but storing it is a perfectly legitimate use case. That's, uh, that's what investments mostly are is you're storing value somewhere else. Um, and that's that's okay. Um, will it become like the main, main medium of exchange eventually? Maybe, I don't know. Um, but I, I think the use case that we have right now is pretty freaking good. And it, it's, uh, I, I've said this before, uh, you know, money is the base layer of civilization if you think about it from a technological standpoint. And if you have uh, bad money like we do in the US and all over the world, um, you know, and it's it's a very bad foundation, and it sinks everything else when it sinks itself. Um, so when you have hyper hyperinflating currencies like in Venezuela or Zimbabwe, it brings down everything on top. Like the entire civilization goes to crap because everything collapses. Uh, you know, because air is just uh, not up to snuff. Um, and I I believe that that Bitcoin is a very, very strong base player and you can build a lot of things like you were talking about, like, um, you know, uh, you know, digital registries or ownership uh, proofs and things like that. Uh, but, you know, uh, civilization needs sound money. Uh, this is the only way you can, uh, this, uh, this is the only way you can incentivize people to really build for the future and, uh, you know, make civilization better. So, in a way, um, I, I see Bitcoin as a, as a moral mandate, really, because uh, you know, without sound money, you you end up in a situation where people are don't care about the future and just consume, 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 which is kind of the situation we have in the U.S. Now, you said uh, Bitcoin, you know, <clears throat> would be like the or would be the equivalent of buying coffee with Bitcoin. 
Well, what if I told you buying coffee on the blockchain will be Starbucks coin or Dunkin token, not Bitcoin? <laughs> you know, like what are your well, thoughts? Then... What are your thoughts on all these companies just making their in-house altcoin as a gift card, quote unquote, and you would use your Bitcoin to transfer into their gift card. They would have an in-house ledger and they would just move it from store to store as you purchase because there's things like this already happening. Yeah, I, I... I mean, maybe maybe that'll be useful. I don't. I'm not particularly excited about it because it's entirely centralized. Starbucks can take away your gift card whenever you, they want, right? Like, what? How's that different than fiat? Um, and this is really the question you have to ask yourself with a lot of these altcoins. If uh, if there is a central point of failure or a central control, then what what good is your money, right? If somebody can seize it, take it away, roll it back. Um, or cause your coins to be unspendable, what what the hell good is it as a, as a store of value? If somebody can seize it, take it away, um, that uh, to me, that's not really, really a very good store of value. And this is one of the things that makes Bitcoin different than everything else is it's, it's doesn't have a central point of failure. And that that's, that's the main value. That's, that's the censorship resistance. That's the, uh, that's the reason why it's better than, say, Ethereum with its DAO rollback or whatever. Mm -hmm. So uh, as a store of value versus monetary use, uh, Bitcoin's secondary use case outside of being a store of value or money itself is its blockchain, the store of truth, the open ledger. Is that mm -hmm. itself enough to keep Bitcoin going or does it have to be money right now? Wait, can you can you repeat that last sentence? You broke up a little bit. Does well, does Bitcoin basically have to be used as money right now to keep growing as a technology, or is its open ledger blockchain technology enough to keep it growing? Yeah, I mean, I think the store of value case is enough to keep it growing, and there's enough uh, of the medium of exchange utility to enable the store of value, um, and that's it's kind of like real estate in that way, right? Like. Um, you can store value in real estate, and and that's perfectly mm -hmm. fine as long as you can you can transact eventually in and out of it. And it's sort of meant to be that way. It it costs a lot of money to actually transact real estate, as anyone that's bought a home knows. Um, but you know that that's sort of what Bitcoin is becoming. The the entire blockchain idea is is you know in in that way like kind of a registry of how much. How much bitcoins you own except it's public and it's immutable and all that other great stuff um so yeah i would say that's enough i would say it's 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 plenty to keep it going um i mean there may be other other innovations on top of it to make it more so that you can buy coffee on the blockchain or coffee using lightning network or something like that or use it in however way um but you know, like you got to grow in stages, and uh, and we'll see if, if the market likes it, if it finds it useful. I, I personally don't use it as a medium of exchange very much because it keeps going up in value. I paid a hundred bucks for some beef jerky back in 2013, and it cost me 0.25 Bitcoin. 0.25 Bitcoin is like four thousand dollars right now. Like that's that was four thousand dollar beef jerky. That's uh, pretty crappy, right? Like, uh, like uh, as a buyer, not many. I mean, I, I know Roger Ver and a lot of other people like being able to buy coffee, but you know, like 
10 years from now, that's going to be like a $10,000 cup of coffee. You, you really want to, I just don't, um, I don't see that use case as much as long as we're growing as a store of value until that store of value has gone to gotten to a certain point where it's reached market saturation. This medium of exchange part doesn't seem like as compelling a use case for me. So you mentioned, uh, you know, SegWit and Lightning Network. Now, if all these wallets and everybody that's using Bitcoin Core, just, you know, Bitcoin, BTC, if we were all using SegWit and, and everybody adopted that technology, would we be in competition with Bitcoin Cash and transaction fees and speeds? And on the other side of that, if Bitcoin Cash had the same user activity of Bitcoin right now, would they be in the same problem with high fees and low transactions as Bitcoin is? Yeah, I mean... Uh, my answers to those are very speculative, but probably um, I, it's hard to know because uh, it, it's a dynamic system. And that means that there are dependencies that we can't really um, detect. And, you know, more somebody uses something then less somebody else will use it or more other people will use it. And there's like opportunities to do certain things. And um, there, there's more room for gaming as a miner and things like that. So there, there's a, there's a whole host of forces that go into like how, how fees eventually end up. Um, and it, it's a dynamic system. So it's hard for me to say, but uh, suffice it to say that uh, if Bitcoin cash had the activity of Bitcoin, it, it certainly wouldn't be free forever. Um, and that's, that's something that I pointed out to a lot of people. Uh, but yeah, somehow they think it should be free forever. I, I, I think that's just an unrealistic uh, thing. Uh, but I mean, like I said, it's, uh, it's not that great a medium of exchange because it keeps going up in value. It's, it's <laughs> such a good store of value that the medium of exchange case doesn't really make sense. Who wants to spend money that's going up? Right. Right? Like you'd rather spend your cash first. You'd rather spend your... Spend on your credit card first. Like the, these are these are way more convenient and have more right. pro consumer protection. And more importantly, they don't go up in value. <laughs> right? Like you're not going to regret it as much. So, uh, you know, my 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 feeling is just just do the uh, you know just leave it as a store value and you know use all your fiat when whenever you can and. You know, uh, and and then you'll be okay. Uh, and that's, I think, how most people view Bitcoin. Let's let's spend fiat and store money and store value in Bitcoin. Now, a lot of people are trying to live off of cryptocurrencies. I am one of them, and I know that I am a beta tester for a technology that is still in early beta, and beta testers pay a premium to experience all the bugs in a technology that they want to be better. So I try not to complain about fees and stuff like that, because I know I got into this to be a beta tester. Early adoption, I'm bound to see headaches. A lot of people uh, try to live off of Bitcoin, and they're saying, like, you know, how do they pay their rent? How do they get their coffee? Uh, I would recommend Litecoin or Dash. Now that brings me to this question. Why would anybody choose Bitcoin Cash as a transfer of value over a currency that they're more familiar with or has a longer reputation like Litecoin and Dash? What is the, what was the, the, the thought process that you think maybe, you know, that they had for creating Bitcoin Cash to be something that already existed by trying to just compete with Litecoin and Dash and all these other currency coins. Why would we choose this new Bitcoin Cash 
over these reputable coins that already do very well transfer a value. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I've asked uh, Roger this question, and he mm -hmm. his answer was more or less that there's uh, already like a distribution uh, of Bitcoin or something like that, um, which I don't really buy. Like, uh, so so what? You you do, you have the same distribution, or doesn't mean that you have the same network because a lot of those people are just going to sell it. Uh, like we're waiting on GTEx right now. All right, did they start selling yet? I, 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 I hope I don't. Yeah, I hope I don't cost you any money, man. Being on this live stream right now, everybody's waiting for GDAX. Yeah, every everybody <laughs> like they they said they were gonna be ready by like uh, you know 10 a 10 a.m. Pacific. It's uh, it's like a half hour or half hour past that. No, nobody's really. I don't know what's going on, but anyway. Uh, but yeah, it's it's. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't really under uh, like their main thing is, well, it, it sort of forked off the original Bitcoin blockchain. And this was one of the questions I asked Roger was if there was another hard fork with a bigger block size, would you support that instead? And he said, well, I'd have to think about it, mm -hmm. um, which I think is an admission. Well, his argument, if that's all it's relying on, then then that would logically be the be the case. I don't know. I, I, I don't I don't again, I don't see medium of exchange is that uh greater use case um i think uh you know spending your fiat is fine um and that's that's what i do and you know if, if you are sort of like living off the off of cryptocurrency why not just trend you know just uh you know uh, cash out just enough to live for the month mm -hmm. what's what's wrong with that you know like do one transaction instead of 70 on the blockchain um, I mean, that seems like reasonable to me. And, um, you know, with a credit card, you don't even have to pay for like 25 days or something. So I don't know. I, I just, I just, I just don't get it. Um, but you know, that's, uh, that's, that's okay. <laughs> I'm with you. I don't get it either. Uh, it doesn't make sense. Like I use Litecoin for my daily spending and, uh, maybe, you know, Bitcoin to store my value in as the month goes on. And I do what you say, but I don't cash out for cash. I'll do it once a month into Litecoin. And I actually use a shift payments card from like, you know, Coinbase. And I use mm -hmm. that Visa card everywhere I go. So Litecoin buys my breakfast, lunch and dinner. And then I use Bitcoin to buy a money order and give it to my landlord. Um, so mm -hmm. I'm, I've been all in for a little over a year on all three on Coinbase. Okay. Well, I, I, uh, yeah, I found a way around it. A way, but you know, I, I understand other people want to, and that's uh, obviously something that would be that's an interesting social experiment, right? Well, that's like buying the iPhone 10 and running a jailbreak on it the first day. You are taking a horrible risk at ruining your, your, your user experience and quality of life for what a little feature that nobody has yet. But I know that's the risk I'm taking with my money in Bitcoin, it's in beta. We got, we're working out kinks, and uh, as it goes on, we'll have more and more growing pains, and I really hope all the new people are learning as these growing pains go on. Um, you know, I wanted to talk a little bit about some of the political stance, because a lot of traditional investors are worried about the limitations regulations actually have. You know, they're, um, you know, like money laundering and insider trading. These are just words in cryptocurrencies. You know, there is no fork. You know, there is no rules. You don't have to abide by the rules that you can fly if you really want to. So will this eventually uh, lead to self-govern and self-regulations? Or is this proof that we need a centralized form of governance? Well, I mean, I, I, 
I don't think it requires any sort of centralized governance. Um, this is how the government sort of chokes out industries because almost every industry is centralized in some way. So you just go regulate the centralized entity and they can control it. Um, uh, this is the beauty of Bitcoin is that it's not centralized. So you, you can't just go to one office, arrest some people or threaten them with fines or something like that and get their compliance. Um, so, I mean, will, will they regulate it? Probably, um, you know, it's probably coming, but is it going to be successful? I don't know. I, I, I think um, there's something to be said about, you know, uh, people that are uh, going to be rich enough to be able to pick their mm -hmm. own venue. So at some point, they're going to move to, you know, some, uh, some uh, jurisdiction that's favorable towards them and, uh, and sort of ignore... Uh, U.S. law from that jurisdiction. I, I don't know. I, like people in Panama do that already, right? Like people in Puerto Rico do that already. Um, you know, there there are all sorts of like tax refugees all over the world, mostly because they, they just don't want to pay the kind of taxes that they want, um, uh, that the U.S. government wants. So, um, yeah, I mean, will that lead to self-governance? I don't know. There's already sort of a form of self-governance in the sense that there's a Bitcoin community that will punish certain actors if they uh, think they're doing something that opposes the rest of the community. So I imagine that Coinbase will get a lot of hate, um, as, as will blockchain.info, in the next year or so, just because of uh, how they don't seem to be supporting SegWit transactions and how they're uh, instead like putting all their resources into Bitcoin Cash and stuff like that. So. I don't know. Uh, it'll be it'll be interesting to watch. Um, but yeah, I don't I don't think uh, there's going to be any sort of centralized thing. <laughs> uh, Decentralized says hello. Um, are you going to be in Miami? Uh, no. Oh, I'll be there Fine. too. <laughs> it's like wherever I go, Jimmy won't be there. I'm sorry, guys. It's all my fault. Um, you know, you touched on we 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 talked about regulation, but you touched on something that really triggered something that I've been. Uh, a little hesitant to talk about because I don't want to create FUD, but it is a fact. It is a matter of fact. I think regulations may have been what I would consider a hat trick where they're saying, look over here, what I'm pulling out a rabbit out of a hat. But now we got the loss of net neutrality and we could be seeing the limitations of Bitcoin and blockchain technologies through our internet service providers. So what do you think like the long-term effects of this could be on you? Like we have a decentralized technology on a central Decentralized internet. It can only be so decentralized, right? So what could be the long-term ramifications of the loss of net neutrality and the, you know, the border of the ISP blocking blockchain technologies? I think the market will find a way. I, I mean, I, I don't, I, like, if you're willing to pay for it, I'm sure the ISP will give you traffic to where, where, wherever you want. Um, I, I like it's, yeah, but I mean, it market, may it may market, cost market. you it may now cost you an extra hundred dollars to have the you know Bitcoin package or the blockchain package, so you can run Open Bazaar on your computer and shop on a decentralized marketplace on a centralized internet. But it costs you two hundred dollars just to log in because now they have these these pipelines within a pipeline. Well, so I mean, along with uh, this stuff, I, I, I expect like the more liberalization of ISP, uh, like more competition for ISPs. And if that happens, then the market price will 
converge towards uh, exactly how much it's costing them because uh, it becomes a commodity. So if Bitcoin costs $100 per month per, per person, then that's what the price will become. Um, but I don't think it'll cost $100 because most people will probably not be utilizing the Bitcoin uh, you know, uh, network that much. I mean, most of the traffic is going to be like, I mean, they're, they're going to go after the low-hanging fruit first. I mean, it, the thing is, if you have a market and you have competition, uh, I don't think you need to worry necessarily about, you know, who's doing what or, you know, what they can do. Because the, what they will do is based on consumer preferences and product market fit, as long as there's, a, there's competition. Now, if there's a government-granted monopoly in a certain region and they're the only provider... Uh, and you know there's no net neutrality then they may be able to charge exorbitant fees for uh services that you like uh but as long as there's competition i, I don't think it's anything to worry about I, I expect prices um to just reflect what it actually costs and and that's that's fair right like if if it does cost them like you know five bucks extra per month to you know, allow all of these uh, packets through that are Bitcoin related. I think that's a fair price to pay, especially if that's what you want. But you know, there there are other solutions, right? There, Google's talking about weather balloons. There's a, mm -hmm. you know, um, you know, obviously LTE technology, wireless, um, all sorts of other ways. And the market, I, I believe in the market, and I I don't think you should be scared of a lack of regulation around something. Um, that that just means that. And we might have to suffer a little short term, but long term, it's, it almost always ends up better. Yeah, I, I like you said, if there's um, a need in the market, somebody will find a way to fill it and make money off of it. Um, I've been looking into trying to find like forms of decentralized internets, and I come across something like Nexus and what they're working on, and I didn't have any intent in looking farther until I saw like you know the loss of net neutrality and now I kind of get the idea or at least the importance of things like Nexus and what they're working on I don't know any others but that's just one not to try to pump it or anything I'm just that's one project that I've I've come across um, you know I wanted to start to wrap this song up so uh, what were or what would be one of the questions you wanted to ask Roger during your interview but you didn't ask him out of respect because he kept using the word respect, I felt like as like a shield to get you to be nice. Well, no, I mean, uh, we talked about a lot of stuff. I, I, I think I was a little too emotional in that interview. And when you're emotional, you don't think clearly. And I, I didn't, I, I had some points that I wanted to make that I didn't make. Uh, but, you know, we might do it again. So I'll, I'll save it for that. Uh, All right. <laughs> and, you know, there, there's plenty of stuff that I, I, I'd like to know, for example, um, what he thinks Bitcoin Cash will do when the subsidy runs out or gets very low, right? Like, uh, are miners just going to do it for free? Like, because he, he thinks every transaction should be free or close to free. If they don't make any money, how are you going to, like, what are you going to do? Um, and this is the entire argument for the fee market existing. So, um, I mean, th those are things that maybe I should have brought up, but I, I didn't get to because I was too emotional. Um, but yeah, that, that, that's something that we might do in the future. I'm not sure.
I'll be looking forward to it. Honestly, like that was recently, there have been a lot of interviews with Roger and about Bitcoin Cash and that your interview with him was the most informative. You know, I wish you guys could have kept it going longer. It was very unfortunate that the internet was the issue because a lot of people learned a lot from that rather than the previous couple interviews where it was more like a cat calling argument. Um, so if you guys look in the description box below, there is a link to that interview as well. Go check it out. Um, so I wanted to ask, do you know who that guy was in the back of the video the whole time walking around? <laughs> uh, no, but I, I, he was uh, he was in some Caribbean island and he was uh, trying to get something set up. So I think that guy was just like doing something in another room or something. All right. I didn't yeah. know if he had like bodyguards or something. I didn't know if you like knew what was up with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, so um, a lot of no. people wanted to know what your thoughts are on this. Uh, Charlie Lee sold all of his Litecoin and donated the profits to charity and started a new project. Now, he sold this ages ago, but the news has just come out. Will this even matter or affect the price? And what do you think Lee is up to? What could this project be? Um, I think Gavin and Driesen actually had a pretty insightful tweet. He said, if I had a lot of crypto, I would just tell people that I, I sold all my crypto. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> and it's kind of true you don't know if he's lying or not like uh, like how can you prove a negative i don't hold any like there's no way to prove the negative right like so um i don't know uh and i i sort of i i'll treat it as you know i mean i like charlie and everything and maybe he's telling the truth maybe he's not um but you know if he if he were lying i wouldn't blame him if he were telling the truth i wouldn't blame him um is it going to affect the price? Probably in some nonlinear dynamic way that we can't predict, but it probably does. I, I have no idea. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't even know the veracity of that claim. So it's, it's hard to examine. All right. Uh, you do educate people in programming in blockchain. I just want to know, do you have any student success stories, any uh, students of yours out there that you can be like, that's my student of the year over there? Any success stories that you could you know, fall upon? Yeah, so I, I, I try to, uh, you know, feature them on my Twitter and stuff awesome. like that. A couple of guys have started a show, Breaking Down Bitcoin, where they go through oh. and, like, educate people. That's kind of fun. Um, you know, there there's several that have, like, uh, done uh, have done startups now. Um, you know, I, I have a couple that got into the Chain Code Labs residency. Um, but, yeah, there, there's a lot of people that are interested in this area and, uh and you know, I'll, I'll be featuring them more as they as they get more stuff done. But they're they're mostly putting down their heads and coding. Uh, I told them like make something wonderful, and I will feature it, and I I will make sure you get the press that you need. So um, you know, they're all working on that, I guess. If that's like the one thing I could promote the most, it's education. Like if I could just run around and promote education, promote education. Like that's all I would pump. I'd pump knowledge. <laughs> that's what we should all be pumping. Forget pumping a coin pump knowledge. So there's a link below where you can go and get your, your knowledge on. I really incentivize you to do so if you're a, a developer and you're looking to get in. Uh, I wanted to ask you, like, was there any questions I should have asked or anything that you wanted to bring up while we had the audience here? Uh, I can't think of anything. Um, Nailed yeah, it. I, I, I've been talking for like two hours now. So uh, between before this call, I had another call and stuff like that. So yeah, I, I can't think of anything. I feel like I'm, and they're running together. I don't know. You might have been asking me. I don't, I, what, whatever it is. <laughs>
<laughs> right, right. It just all runs together. You've been having the same conversation for two hours. I'm sorry I held you hostage so long. All right, so what is one thing you want to make sure the listeners take away from this? If there's one bit of advice that you that they sink in, what do you want that advice to be? Think long-term, right? Uh, a lot of people are getting into crypto now. They're thinking like, okay, I can double my money in three months or something like that. No, no it's you're thinking too small. This is a wealth transfer, the likes of which we haven't seen in like 200 years. And, uh, and, and there's, there's going to be some crazy stuff happening over the next 10, 20 years. Um, think long-term and, uh, do, do the thing that will get position you well, 10, 20 years from now, not three months from now, obviously, if you can also do that, um, and there, the goals align, then fine. But, um, you know, uh, over the long term, if you're if you're a trader, you're what most of them go broke at some point. So um, instead of doing that, I would say, think long term. Just do do whatever it is that's going to set you up. Uh, you know, 10, 20 years from now, and not right now. Um, and I, I I think, yeah, that's uh, that's advice that a lot of people don't think about today. But that's that's uh, how I encourage you to think. Yeah, if you got into Bitcoin to get rich overnight, you missed the ball. Uh, can you let people know where they can find more Jimmy Song? Uh, I have all the links below just to let the listeners know where they can find you, and we can wrap this song up. Yeah, sure. Uh, Jimmy Song on Twitter, Jimmy Song on Medium, Jimmy Song on GitHub. Um, I also have a show called Off Chain with Jimmy Song on YouTube. Um, and I, I sometimes write for Coindesk. I have BitcoinTechTalk.com. That's uh, got a lot of technical articles. Um, I think that's it. There's probably more. World Crypto Network with Tone Vase. I mean, your list does go on long enough to forget a thing or two. <laughs> yeah, sure. It was hard to organize all the links. I'll give you that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, uh, I do. Yeah, I do go on. You do a lot for the community, Jimmy. Thank you so much for coming on my show to talk about Bitcoin and Bitcoin accessories. Everybody, thank you so much for tuning in. Have a day. That song was music to my ears. I loved it. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Uh, I didn't really expect Jimmy to be as open as he was, but I do feel like he had no holds bars. He uh, was very open with all of his answers and very honest. And I like that he said that, you know, where he admitted that he held back on Roger Veer during his recent interview. And again, I will say I think Roger was hiding behind the word respect uh, like a shield so uh, Jimmy didn't want to disrespect Roger by asking some of the questions we all think he should have asked and um, it was nice to hear Jimmy agree and he did say that the next opportunity he gets to speak with Roger he may not be um, you know so easy going and may not hold back as much so I'm really looking forward to Jimmy Song's second interview with Roger Veer I really hope you guys learned a lot about you know where we're at right now with Bitcoin and Bitcoin being a use of money and how you know we're still in early beta uh, you know the use cases for Bitcoin's blockchain as a storage of value may just be enough as well as all the other additional uh, use cases for Bitcoin's blockchain that we covered in the interview. So I really hope you enjoyed this. If you did enjoy it, please make sure you share this so everybody can get these bits of knowledge. Don't forget to go to the BitcoinPodcast.com, join the Slack, and have a day.